Hey everyone, I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to the program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and of course, their kids. Today, I'm speaking to one of my favorite people, my, my good friend, Terry Schilling. He is the president of the American Principles Project. Look at that smile. I love that smile. <laughs> Before joining APP, Terry managed the successful campaign of his wonderful father, former Congressman Bobby Schilling for U.S. Congress in 2010. That was quite a campaign. And he is the proud father of six wonderful children. He and his wife, Katie, who I also adore, and their family live in Virginia. Hey, Terry. Hey, Julie. Thanks so much for having me. So I said to you before we went live, I said this could be so hard because there's so much I want to talk to you about. I think the issue, we are going to talk about fatherhood today and the importance of fatherhood um, and this sort of the status of fatherhood in America, which is pretty grim, to be honest with you. So I want to talk about all that stuff. But, you know, American Principles Project, um, you know, and the Independent Women's Forum, we intersect so often on the issues of K through 12, on the issue of children and parents and parents' rights. So try to keep me on on path, Terry. We want to focus on fatherhood. Um, before we get into that, though, I always ask a question of my guests, because this is a, a podcast about celebrating differences in parenting. We shouldn't say like there's one way to do it. And I know you and Katie probably have a specific way that you parent, probably a combination of the way she grew up and the way you grew up and, and you've made your own style of parenting. But if you were to characterize your parenting style, what would it be? Uh, it would be uh, uh, not quite laissez-faire uh, or free range, but uh, more towards the free range of things. Uh, my, you know, we, I grew up and I'm the oldest of 10 kids. And the important thing about being raised in a, there are two types of big families like that. There are the military uh, type families that everything's very structured. Everything's very ordered. There's a plan to everything. And then there's my family, which is just kind of ordered chaos. And you just go with the flow. Um, I can adjust to things very quickly. Um, and that was just how I grew up. And so Katie and I, Katie's the youngest of five. And um, we just kind of raise our kids the same way. Uh, we they learn the consequences of things very quickly um, because yeah. we don't bail them out. Um, yeah. And um, and they're they're adaptable and um, it, we have a great time. But, um, you know, there are obviously rules and we don't let them get away with everything. Um, and we we've had to start to crack down on certain things. Right. So, like, we let things go. And then when it starts to become a problem, uh, we'll crack down. Like we're cracking down on screens right now because the grades aren't doing so well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is so important. But it's funny. You know, I when I introduced you, I, I think it's always important because I see so many people who have big families. They're introduced where the person goes, and he's the father of six children. And there's this big moment. It was like, oh, how do you handle it? And I, I really intentionally don't do that because honestly, I think it's a wonderful thing to have ch six children. It's possible. People used to have big families. It's actually, be I think people are more interested in having big families these days. Um, but I hate this idea that it's just this impossibility. It really isn't. And probably part of the reason that you're so good at it is you are one of how many? 10? Yeah, 10. Yep. 10. 
10. You're, and I know your mother. I know your late father. Great people. Obviously, they seemed the type to go with the flow, too. So I'm sure that part of the reason you're so adaptable at this is because you grew up in, as I've heard you say, a loud house. So, uh, yeah. so that's probably why you're so skilled at this. So let's get into the meat of the area. Um, what is the status? Look, you, you work for APP, and I know that you have a program at APP that sort of celebrates uh, fathers and encourages fathers to to be a part of a community there. What is the status of fatherhood in America? Well, it's not great. And it's not great for a few reasons. Uh, there was a recent study that just came out that showed that uh, it's like, I think, 61% of men are not in a relationship and not seeking one. And then um, 36% of women are in the same boat. And, you know, there's obviously questions like, well, if there are equal amount of men and women, like, why is there some disparity, discrepancy there? Um, but I think that what's happening is men are under attack. Masculinity is under attack, right? We, we don't describe uh, femininity as toxic, but we definitely describe masculinity as toxic. And what's happening is men aren't graduating college at the rates that they used to. They're not uh, making the same amount of money that they used to. And the reason that that gets tricky, especially when it comes to becoming a father, is because you have to have a relationship uh, with a woman in order to become a father. And women um, have high standards. They want uh, their, their partner to make more money than them. And I think that's a totally reasonable expectation um, for any woman to have. Um, and it's just a difficult environment for men to do that. But then, oh, go on. No, it's funny that I hear you saying this stuff. And it's amazing to me that this is quite provocative, what you're saying. In our day and age, it certainly isn't provocative to me. And it certainly mm -hmm. isn't provocative to a lot of women. But in our day and age, the very idea that that um, that saying that women want certain things from men, like men to take care of them and men to take sort of the lead role in, in making money and making sure the family is secure. How in the world have we gotten to this point, Terry? I, and again, I just want to back up on that because I, I do want to address it, that these concepts are now attacked. Um, and look, this isn't anything no, new. We know, you know, with sort of third wave fe feminism, that the idea of traditional roles for men and women went out the window, or at least it did for a certain segment of society. But what do you say to people who sort of like look at you and, and our, or your reactions on Twitter or whatever, when you say these things that I think are very, uh, I think most people can agree on, but again, have become provocative in our current culture. Well, it's interesting because I, I, I witnessed this firsthand with my parents. They worked really well together. They complimented each other and they were a great example for me. But there's all too many of these like gender warmongers, right? And what they don't, they don't want peace. They don't want equality. They don't want us working together. They want to win and they want to destroy the patriarchy, right? And so they allow for this, um, brainwashing or however you want to say it, um, this ideology to take over their lives. And what I found is that the ends of those ideologies end up becoming much worse in the current situation. And I just look at men and women as complementary, which means that we go hand in hand, that we each need each other, right? And that we're both different. And I think that there's a a small but uh, powerful group of people in this country that reject that they they don't they think that all of the differences between men and women are not genetic or they're not natural they're make believe they're they were forced on us by society by the patriarchy that's right um, 
And it's just not true, right? Like even just some, my mom was explaining this to me. My mom reads a lot. I've learned so much from my mom. I was one of the I love you know, Rush Limbaugh babies, like the yeah. original OGs. <laughs> right. uh, but she was explaining to me like why women have a much more natural bond with their children and like why they first started staying home with the kids. It's because they nurse their babies, right? Like a mom, it, it, you know, when the baby's in the womb, she's taking care of the baby full time, giving it all the nutrition it needs and everything. And that's still important afterwards and the nursing and the the taking care of the baby it's important for that bond to develop and if you've ever met someone with mommy issues they're very cold people and they're very angry people and they're not um you don't really want to be around them a a lot of serial killers i mean i'm not saying that everyone that has mommy issues is a serial killer but like you look up most of the serial killers they had mommy issues and it's because they develop this like coldness um to their fellow man um, because they don't think they need anyone right if you if you grow up without a good mother well, and also anyone. on the on the other side, if you didn't grow up with a good father, look, fathers teach ch- teach children, <clears throat> particularly boys, uh, basic social skills, self esteem, mm-hmm. and understanding of manhood, what that means, what masculinity really is, and mm-hmm. without a father. Uh, it, these boys grow up utterly rudderless. Um, I want to read a quote from um, Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan in after the 1965 riots. You know this quote, of course you do. From the wild Irish slums of the 19th century seaboard to the riot-torn suburbs of Los Angeles, there is one unmistakable lesson in American history. A, that's my dog. A community that allows large numbers of young men to grow up in broken families dominated by women, never acquiring any stable relationship with male authority never acquiring any set of rational expectations about the future that community asks for and gets chaos crime violence unrest disorder are not only to be expected they are very near to inevitable that was 1965 and terry the data bears this out you talked about collections of people who want to say that masculinity is toxic that marriage doesn't matter that families don't matter we know that marxists are actively working in our schools to tear down Mm -hmm. the family to separate children from their parents. Um, and they don't look at the data, which clearly shows fathers matter. Do you think this problem is getting better? Do you think it's getting worse? Where are we with this problem? I think it's getting worse, but not for the reason you expect. I do think that there are a lot of uh, crazy dads like me out there who are opting into just, you know, letting God, you know, decide how many kids we have. Um, and it's giving us huge families, but there are so many young men that either can't find a partner or can't find a wife or just don't even want to have a wife. Um, we, we have to really understand that the elite culture or, um, has a huge impact on our lives. It's very, once the elites start to go rotten, it's very shortly after that, that the people start to get rotten. Um, and so I think a lot of men are just opting out of marriage. They're opting out of fatherhood. It's too much. It's too expensive. And there are alternatives, right? Like you have OnlyFans now. That's one of the biggest booming uh, businesses in the country. Mm. Um, so like men are basically telling us like, are telling women like, Hey, we don't need you either. Um, and, um, it's really sad and it's tragic because these are not going to be happy people, but you, the Moynihan quote is fascinating to me. There was a, uh, 1926 article in the Atlantic about the disillusion. That's the last time marriage. I read the Atlantic, but go on. <laughs> yeah, so it's actually pretty cool. Cause you can, they have it archived. So like you can see like the actual print edition from 1926 hmm. And they had someone, they had a reporter embedded in the Soviet Union when they, they abolished the family. And the fruits of it 
were so terrible. Uh, basically, they made marriage uh, dissolution a five-minute process, and they made it no-fault divorce, basically. So what was happening is men would get married to these women for like a month, a few weeks, three months. They'd impregnate them, and then they'd abandon them for another woman somewhere else, and they'd just keep doing this. There, there are stories of these villagers and these farmers talking about how these hoodlums, these 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 orphan hoodlums, would just go and create chaos. Uh, they would steal, they would rape, they would they would commit violence, they would rob. It it was just a total nightmare. Um, and that's what we're experiencing now, right? Like, look at Chicago. What do you think the fatherlessness rate is in Chicago? Why do you think the murder rate's so high? It's because there's no Baltimore. fathers in there yeah. to go and kick the. Sh- kick the crap out of these guys <laughs> okay uh, uh uh you know when they're getting out of line that's that's the big thing that dads do is we 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 enforce consequences we discipline there were a, a real quick there was this um article in reason magazine and it talked about how they were that researchers were shocked to find that in study after study it was actually fathers who uh, instilled empathy into their children. And how I've come to understand it is, you know, because I come home from work, right? And I, I've had my kids like break my tools, my expensive tools. And I'll come home and I'll say, hey, you, hey, you little cuss. You know how much that tool cost me? I had to work so hard to get that tool and you just broke it. Uh, and that gets kids to start thinking about other people. Um, and so there, look, it's so obvious, like the benefits of motherhood, the benefits of fatherhood, the benefits of marriage, benefits of raising kids in a marriage and a happy household. The, the, the data is so boring because it's so predictable. We all know what the truth is going to be. Yes. Yes. Let's have a study on the sky is blue. I mean, it's just, (laughs) you're right. I, I, I sometimes read these studies and I, uh, you know, there was a study in 2010 on chi- childhood obesity. It to, it to this day remains the best study on childhood obesity. And it, it is the most respe- respected study. It's very rigorously done. They studied, there were a huge cohort of kids in this study. And guess what they found at the end? This was years. Like, you know, they studied these kids for like five years. And again, thousands of kids were involved. And at the end, they found that to avoid, to prevent childhood obesity, Put your kid to bed at a regular hour, limit their screen time, and get this, have dinner together as a family at least four times a week. They didn't say what, they didn't say, and it has to be organic applesauce and a chicken you raised in your backyard and wheat that you grew in a field. Like, it says nothing about the quality of the food. It doesn't even say anything about the type of things that they're watching on screen. Just limit it. And it doesn't even say, like, it has to be nine o'clock when you put your kids mm-hmm. to bed or seven o'clock if they're teeny. It just says mm-hmm. put them to, to bed at a regular hour. I, I, you know, I was so excited about this here, this study. And it's funny, the, the researchers that were involved in the study were like, we were hoping for something like, you know, more of a, <laughs> a silver bullet here. But it turns out just be a good parent. That's mm-hmm. how you prevent these things from happening. And I can tell that it frustrates people. And that's why people on the left and Marxists, obviously, in our schools don't talk about the data. What you just talked about is exactly why they avoid this. So moving on from fathers, I want to, again, focus on boys and specifically boys in school. We hear mm-hmm. a lot of talk about these gaps, right? And we hear a lot about equity, right? Which 
-hmm. We know that equity does not mean equality, but just for the purposes of this conversation, let's pretend it does. So we hear all this about equity. We hear about the gap in the race gap. We hear about a gap on, you know, special needs kids. And look, those that exists. That's a real problem that we Mm -hmm. need to focus on. But we almost and we also hear a lot about, oh, girls, girls need this girl needs special STEM programs and encouragement Mm -hmm. in math, which actually isn't true. In the 70s, girls were far below boys in terms of these academic um, goals. Now they've they've exceeded boys. Um, Girls are, you know, graduating, they're going to college, they're they're getting A's. Boys are dropping out, they're doing drugs, Mm -hmm. they're committing crimes, they're going to jail, they're committing suicide. Boys Mm -hmm. are in crisis in this country. Why don't we talk about that gap? And why is the narrative still that girls need special STEM, they need special math programs, they need all this help and education? Why haven't we been able to switch that? Well, so the 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 nature of progressivism, like what they inherently believe, is that uh, human beings should be free from all constraints, from all boundaries that keep us from truly flourishing. And they look at this as like the patriarchy's always been in control, and they've instituted all these values, and they've created uh, women to be, you know, second class citizens. Like they they actually believe that. And so how they view it is it's it's a long march. They have to destroy men uh, for a temporary period of time in order to get to full equality. This is all Marxism, right? Like you look at these Marxist uh, nations, these Marxist revolutions, they kill millions and millions and millions of people because the means are sorry, the ends justify the means. And so they don't care that boys all of a sudden are starting to become under attack because it's not about that. Right. It, their, their goal is not for flourishing. Their goal is not for um, prosperity. Their goal is for equity. They want us to all be equal in misery, equal in, in poverty, equal that they want to be the ones pulling the lever. Um, so it, they don't care that men are, are finally, they, they view it basically as men are finally getting theirs. Like their justice is finally being enacted on these boys. And it's just enraging because, you know, who are you going to send to war to defeat the Nazis? Right. Yeah. Like who men have sacrificed a lot and they yeah. just dismiss it all um, as if we we haven't contributed anything to society. We build skyscrapers like we we put food on the table. But guess what? All of our jobs, all of those sacrifices were for our families. They were for our women. They were for our wives so that they could have peace so that we could go home at night and have a nice meal and have peace in our home. We don't work to change the world we work so that we can have a family that has a roof over our heads and i don't know they're just psychos frankly like like that's <laughs> yes. what it all you know, you know this, comes this down podca- to this podcast could be a, a lot shorter if we just like bottom lined it right now they're all just psychos yeah i agree with this look i i do think though that there is really something dangerous going on look i'm the mother of three boys i have all boys so really i have six children i'm just kidding um but <laughs> but at a certain age boys are just off the walls. I mean, they really mm-hmm. are. And, and, and I, I grew up in a girl's household. I had a sister, right? Everything was like coloring. And, and I know I'm making generalizations here. Boys mm-hmm. are nuts sometimes, right? They just really are. And as a mother of a child with ADHD, I, I see the difference. I can see like the normal thing. And, and my, my child does take a small amount of medication. It really helps him mm-hmm. manage school. But we see abuse of ADHD medications. We see over, um, uh, you know, kids being called ADHD when they're really not. They're just a kid. And we see boys, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, Terry, you'll love this. My son, in his file, in his like 
third grade file. I'm sure I can still find it. He got in serious trouble because he was doing the pew, 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 pew um, in during lunch. And a teacher was just horrified, took him to the office. Principal called me and said he was using finger guns. And I told her I will in no way discourage him from doing finger guns. That is a normal boyhood activity. Now, God bless this teacher. She actually started, or this, it was a vice principal. She actually started laughing because I think she could kind of see the absurdity, which I'm really lucky. I live in Northern Virginia. I'm surprised he wasn't thrown in jail. Um, yeah. But tell me about, we have even seen people say that masculinity in boys is a, is a psychological problem, that mm-hmm. boys should not behave this way. In fact, they want little boys to be, to act like little girls. And look, little girls are, you know, there's exceptions to all of this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a very dutiful little boy too, who actually did not act out in class, but they are, it's almost as if there's an effort to sort of feminize boys, to take away mm-hmm. that natural ma- masculinity. What do you say about that? How do, what would you say to parents who, who are getting this from their teachers? I would just say to encourage it, right? Like when I'm, when I'm with my kids, I encourage them in the areas where they're strong and I discourage them in the areas where they should be avoiding, right? So like my son, Bobby, he's just now really starting to get obsessed with sports. I mean, it's basketball, it's football, it's wrestling. Um, and I encourage that. I, I go out and play with him. I, I want him to be rambunctious. You learn a lot from being rambunctious. You learn a lot from jumping off of a treehouse and, and hurting yourself. Like learning you learn your own you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Right. And and our kids are in a, in an age where even fighting, right? Like I I'm okay with my sons fighting. I'll cut it, you know, if they start to do anything crazy with like choking I or something. I just don't want really to go hurt. to the hospital. I just exactly. don't want to go to the emergency room. But but you want them fighting as kids between each other because they learn that there are consequences to running your mouth. They learn that there are consequences to punching someone or hitting them because you're going to get hit back, right? You don't want them not learning that lesson at a young age because then they grow up and they start world wars like Joe Biden, right? Like they're, they're, these guys are getting ready to start a world war right. because they've never had their teeth punched in. They've right. never been kicked in the guts and, and they haven't learned that there are consequences to running your mouth. And so why not let them fight when they're little and they're not that strong and they really can't do that much damage to each other? So well, we just... I would just encourage these parents, ramp it up, encourage them to take risks. That's one of the beautiful things about men and women is we balance each other out. Men are so like into taking risks. Like, and you know why? It's because we're not that smart. I mean, we are smart, but we don't think through the consequences of our actions, right? Like we just run and we jump off the cliff and then we break our leg and we're like, oh, probably shouldn't have done. Whereas girls are very thoughtful and, and they're, they're balanced and they're not going to jump off the cliff. I Um, I just, I just want to make soup and binge watch Netflix. That's all like I I am not risk. But but Terry, you make such a good point. And I think that one thing that I know that this is not a Catholic podcast, but you know, one thing that I love about the Catholic Church is the reverence for the Virgin Mary and how that it if you're a part of the church, there is that sort of extends to mothers and then to women in general, that true masculinity means also respect for women, caring for women, looking out for women, women. Um, 
And that is an, a serious part of fatherhood is teaching your boys to be respectful of their mother and by extension of all women. And I know that's something you do as well. You are married to Katie, who is lovely. And you guys have this incredible bond, but also this partnership in raising these kids. And I feel like you have this sense of you are the protector over the family. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that, because I think so often people kind of go, well, masculinity isn't all bad, but you know, uh, you know, but they forget this angle that is, it really is a sense of protecting not and and look, look not just women and children, but everybody pr- protecting the society, being the care, being a good of good character, and passing that on, it, sort of to to the rest of 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 your community, of your neighbors and community. Well, it, it, no, that's exactly right. And there is, um, there is this ultimately, like if you were to like boil what it means to be a man, it is being willing to protect the vulnerable, right? And to take those, to use your strength, to use your your power and your influence, to be able to protect vulnerable people that are coming under attack and that need to be protected. Um, you know, and that you know, APP, like with our big family and all the NRA for the family stuff, like we're kind of filling that role. I see it as like the dads of the of the pro family movement. So like you have the moms, and they're awesome because they're mama bears but like we're kind of like that's how I'm coming at it right like I want to protect these kids I want to protect these moms so that you know when they go to a school board meeting they aren't having their mics shut off that they yeah. that they ha- are able to speak their minds like women absolutely have a say in these things and they're really smart right and one of the things that bothers me is like you know I was raised by very strong women my my great grandmother uh, was a, a women's air corps um, in World War II. She she worked the Rock Island Arsenal in the Quad Cities. It. No one got anything by Grandma Great, right? Like no, but Grandpa Chuck would never pull anything on her. She ran the show, and so I'm raised by all these super strong women. Who, by the way, my Grandma Great was born in 1922, and. She, that's she's not a product of feminism she's a product right. of catholicism she's a product of america yeah. and the, they they've painted and they've cast this bs narrative that women were always second class citizens it's just not true because men and women need each other like think about this one of the things i hate about porn i know it's kind of a little bit off topic but like before porn men would need to keep peace with their wives in order to like be happy, right? Like you didn't want to sleep. You could only sleep on the couch for so many nights, but with porn, like the fights will just continue and there's no peace to be made up because, well, I can sleep on the couch all month long and I don't right. care because I don't need, right. you know, but like men need women have always needed women. We've always loved women, right? Like I, I look at my wife. She's the the only thing like if you, if my kids really want to like have me lose my, my, my cool, they just need to insult Katie. They need to talk back to her. Like, yes. That sets me off. Same with my husband. Um, it's just, it's enraging because it's your mother. She gave you life. Um, and that's, I don't know. I, I could go on. but No, uh, and I, I am glad you brought that up. But I wanted to veer sort of, I feel like you said porn and now I'm going to bring up Hollywood. And I was like, I'm veering off slightly. But actually, no, they're kind of the same thing nowadays. Yeah. But let's talk really quickly. One of the last things I want to talk to you about is the image of fathers and fatherhood in Hollywood. It's a disaster. And I'm not talking just on the big screen, right? Because sometimes they'll produce a movie that's uplifting and it's a good family film. But I'm talking about like the small screen television and spe- specifically advertisements where the mom is always so competent and so smart, right? And the dad is 
is like sitting there with socks on standing in cement, right? Or Mm -hmm. like he's, he's washing a product in an entirely different wrong way. And the mother sweeps in. This is, and this isn't just in advertisements. It's in sitcoms. It's everywhere. This idea Mm -hmm. of this sort of dumb uh, uh, dad, that that's a, I think that is a significant problem. Is that something that you've noticed as well? Oh yeah. I mean, look, the, the attack on fatherhood has been happening since I was a kid. And I, I'm trying to think about like why it is that these shows do so well, right? And, and, and okay, cause right, if you were to have a show where the dad is the one that's put together and the mother is just like the, you know, the dystopian version of a mother's like, she's hysterical. She's constantly drinking. She's reading Red Book magazine. She doesn't do anything around that. Like if you were to paint that and, and have the exact opposite, that show would not do well. Um, and I think that it goes to like, the nature of of men and women in that men are very self-deprecating like if you've ever been around a group of guys and just listen in their conversation we are busting everyone's balls non-stop like we yeah. like making fun of each other it's how we build yeah. community like that yeah. um and and build friendships um so like when someone's making fun of a dad on tv like our first thing that we go to is not righteous indignation uh, about this attacking fatherhood. We're like, Oh yeah, no Homer Simpson is uh, pretty funny, you know? Um, And Peter Griffin's hilarious. Like he's a total idiot, but he's hilarious. And um, the reason that the, the the show that I talked about, like if you were to reverse the roles and and denigrate motherhood and mothers, women would never do well. Women wouldn't stand for it, but also men wouldn't want to watch that, right? Yeah. Like we don't, we don't want to attack women. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll make jokes, like we'll make funny jokes about women, but like we're not like being mean. Like we're not actually right. acting like women are all a bunch of like hysterical nut jobs. Like, right? We love them. We deal with them every day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could think of a few women on Twitter that it's okay to be mean to. T- Taylor <laughs> Taylor Lorenz, that eighty year old. Tay-tay. Yeah, that's okay. Um. I want to conclude this by talking about a really, really good dad. And that is your dad. Um, <laughs> we lost him a couple years ago. I know incredibly painful for you um, and, and your whole large family. Tell me mm. what, what was some of the gifts your dad gave you and what are some of the most treasured lessons? I know it's hard you know, to, hard to distill <laughs> that in just a few minutes, but. Well, you know, Julie, you, you, my kids, uh, you, you just did what my kids did to me sometimes. And then you just catch me off guard. You catch me with that left hook. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, look, my dad was, he was great. Cause he was such a flawed person and he overcame huge obstacles. And I don't really talk about this a lot, but like, um, you know, my dad was a recovering addict. Uh, he had a serious drug addiction. He was an alcoholic. Um, but he got clean after number four, right? And my mom had basically filed for divorce oh. and um, they, it was not good. My, you know, he would go out binge, binging, you know, for three days at a time, wouldn't even come home. She oh. tried everything and he just wasn't getting better. And so it, she filed for divorce and essentially my, my grandmother stepped in. So my dad, um, part of the reason why he had a lot of issues is his parents got a divorce when he was a senior in high school and wow. he just kind of fell apart. He'd have huge parties and just yeah. got into really bad stuff with bad crowds. And um, when my mom filed for divorce, my grandmother called her and she said, um, I heard you're divorcing my son. Why? And my mom explained like, he's not getting better. I've drawn tons of lines in the sand. And by the way, my, my grandma's name was Pat. She goes, by the way, Pat, um, he hasn't asked me not to, mar- not to divorce him. Right. Like he doesn't even care. And, my grandmother sat him down and she said, I just want you to know, I never would have divorced your father if he told me he didn't want to. And I think about that 
And that's a very like self-sacrificial thing for a mother to admit to her son and overcoming a serious drug addiction. Like my dad did that is so Christ-like, right? Like not to go all religious, but it's so masculine, right? Like ultimately like being a man is about sacrificing for vulnerable people. It's about giving up your own liberty, your own freedom so that other people can have a better life than you had. And my dad, instead of like just going along with getting a divorce and cutting our family off at four kids, he got clean. He struggled. He worked hard. Um, and he had six more kids with my mom. Right. So like there, and, and by the way, like the next kid after number four, she has four kids. <laughs> so like, yeah. you, you, we don't think about this, but like, there's a real human impact. Like the reason abortion's so bad is because you're wiping out an entire lineage of human beings yes. and you're acting like we're disposable. We're not. When, when you have a baby, that baby is going to be someone's spouse someday. They're going to be someone's teacher, possibly someone's doctor. We all change the world in infinite ways. And my dad definitely did that for us. And so <laughs> It's, I'm really oh, not saying it's actually joy. It's actually joy. Like I'm so self-deprecating. I make the worst morbid jokes about <laughs> him, him passing uh, just oh. to get through the pain. But like he said, he was such a great example. Um, and, you know, I'll never forget uh, the day he died. He was like, he had intestinal cancer. So like he really couldn't keep food down. Like he, when you have intestinal cancer, you starve to death essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And the day he died, my mom and I were comforting him and he said, you know, my, my mom said, is there anything we can do, Bobby? He's like, nope, I just want my family and I want Jesus. And so we did like, you know, last rites and everything. And like, that's the goal. And he, he died surrounded by all 10 of his kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the, the saddest thing for me in this world is dying alone or the yeah. thought of someone dying alone. Like that's what was one of the worst things about COVID, right? Like right. how many people died right. away from their families and right. the left, the progressives, the, the feminists, they're creating an entire generation of people, a majority of which very likely will die, die alone yeah. and have the saddest possible death. And they should have the exact opposite of that. Well, Terry, I knew your father I, and I know your mom and I just adore them and adore them both still. And I am thrilled with the family that you are creating with Katie. You're a great uh, influence on not only your own kids, but this whole country. I really appreciate you being with me today and talking about this. And if you can just tell people really quickly, where can they follow you, um, learn more about APP's fatherhood initiative and some of the other initiatives. APP is a great organization. So tell us where we can follow you. Uh, you can check um, our website out online at AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. You can follow me on Twitter and all the social media, Instagram. I'm on everything, basically. It's just shilling1776. I'm, I'm actually temporarily suspended today uh, from Twitter. I know. It's so stupid. I, I basically said that transgenderism is uh, sexual abuse and mutilation of children and Apparently, I'm targeting a whole group of people by, oh dear. by saying that. So I'm, I'm in the I'm in the timeout. Well, Terry, I know that you uh, are pretty provocative, also on Twitter. So I'm not surprised. But Elon should straighten that up. Um, <laughs> listen, you're great. Um, it is a, a, a great joy to talk to you. Please say hi to your mom and say hi to Katie as well. And um, and we need to finally get our families together. So maybe this will maybe this will will boost that effort. So Terry, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, Julie. Have a great day. 
The Bespoke Parenting Podcast is a production of the Independent Women's Forum. Please help us by hitting the subscribe button and leaving a comment or a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Google Play, YouTube, or IWF.org. Hang in there, parents. I'll see you next time on Bespoke.